It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Thursday morning, the 13th of August. Good morning, with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. In a special programme today, we reflect on the life and times of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue. Seven years ago, Adrian Donoghue left his home in Belurgan to travel to the barracks in Dundalk, where he had been stationed for 17 years. It was a cold, wet, wintry Friday evening. Adrian Donoghue and his partner, Detective Garda Joe Ryan, were rostered as usual to give routine armed escort for the transfer of local credit union takings across the coolies. Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue's last stop would be in Belurgan, but he didn't go home. Adrian Donoghue never made it home. The operation was delayed in getting to its first destination, the credit union in Omeath. Uh, this was because of the terrible weather. The torrential rain, coupled with local road closures, held up the Garda escort. Local Garda took up the job in their absence. Alan Lynch, and somewhat ironically, or at least it seems almost ironic now, that he was accompanied by another Garda, Tony Golden, as Garda Tony Golden was to be shot dead himself two years later. Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue and Detective Garda Joe Ryan met up with the local guards and took over the escort, but within 58 seconds of arriving at the Lordship Credit Union, Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue was dead. Aaron Brady, with uh, an address in Cross Midland, was one of four masked raiders who approached the Garda car in the car park after scaling the small wall outside of the credit union. Brady and another gang member were armed, Separately, a Volkswagen Passat drove in at speed, blocking the entrance to the credit union. Adrian Donoghue stood out of the guarded car to see what was happening. Aaron Brady approached, aiming a double-barrelled shotgun at the detective guarder. He was at point-blank range. Brady pulled the trigger without warning and fatally shot detective guarder Adrian Donoghue. Brady was no further than seven feet away from Adrian Donoghue when he cold-bloodedly ended Mr Donoghue's life. Mr Donoghue was 41 years of age, predeceasing his wife Caroline and his young children Amy and Niall.
Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue died that night, the 25th of January 2013. Seven years later, the trial for his murder began in January of this year. Seven months on and the accused, Aaron Brady, was found guilty yesterday in the Central Criminal Court of the capital murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to most sincerely thank the jury for sticking with this trial for so long and for my Garda colleagues and for the prosecution team on behalf of Amy Nile and myself. Thank you very much. Adrian Donoghue's widow, Caroline, speaking outside of uh, the court yesterday, welcoming that verdict. It means Aaron Brady will spend a minimum of 40 years in prison. Justice was served in the Central Criminal Court. Owen Reynolds was there when the verdict came in. Indeed, he was in the Central Criminal Court when the trial started and throughout for that matter. And news reporter Owen Reynolds is on the line with us now. Owen, it was a remarkable trial for many reasons, not least for how long the trial itself actually ran for yeah and that was an excellent summary you gave of the events there uh, on the night uh, the trial has been seven years in coming Gardy have been investigating for that length of time of course uh, Aaron Brady was arrested he was he was or he, he was um, a suspect for the trial for the uh, for the crime and he had given a statement to Gardy but he then fled went to America and that was where the that where the investigation, much of the investigation took place in America as a result of that. And then, as you say, this entire trial lasting seven months and actually even longer than that, because before the jury was even sworn, there was about two months of hearings where lawyers in the case kind of trashed out issues uh, in the hopes that they could get those issues out of the way before the jury uh, was sworn. So the jury, it wouldn't take up so much of the jury's time. But as we saw during the trial, as a result of the COVID outbreak, but also other legal arguments, um, the jury was kept for a very, very long time. I think it's 122 days uh, the court sat. The jury would have sat for more than 70 of those days. So that's a lot of legal argument when you think about that, the number of days that the jury were not present. Um, it's the longest-running murder trial in the history of the state, and there has been one one longer trial, but not a murder trial. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, yesterday, I think, was a... And there was a tremendous amount of relief, I think, among many of the people in the Central Criminal Court that they had managed to get this conviction over the line. Why is it, do you think, Aaron Brady pleaded not guilty? Uh, the evidence was obviously only circumstantial, uh, but uh, there was some body of evidence against him, and at least from a distance, it seemed almost obvious from the outset that this man was guilty, but he pleaded not guilty. Was that in the hope that he would have received a lesser verdict? Um, yeah, I think that's the only way to explain that. It is the this, the, the penalty for um, capital murder is a life sentence with a uh, a minimum time served to be 40 years. This is under 1990 legislation. He's the first person to be sentenced under this legislation. So it is yet to be tested. But certainly there is an opinion among many barristers that that means that he will serve those entire 40 years. He will not be um, entitled to remission after 30 years, as, as has been the case previously when people were sentenced to 40 years for capital murder. Uh, they have been released after 30 years. There are many barristers who think that that's not going to be the case in this in this case, but that's, that's something that will probably be found out or will be uh, tested in about 28 years when Aaron Brady has served 30 years. He's been in custody for about two years on this issue. 
Um, tell, um, tell us about the court yesterday, if you would, Owen, because there was a, a lot of emotion on one side of the court, and as I understand it, very little emotion uh, from Brady's side of the court. Yeah, I think because he was actually found guilty of the robbery um, earlier in the week, last Monday. So the jury had already established that they didn't believe the lies that Aaron Brady had told. And he, remember, he spent five days in the box telling the jury that he was at a diesel laundering yard on, in South Armagh at the time of the robbery. And he repeated that lie over and over again many, many times. So when the jury came back with that on Monday... It established, I think, in everyone's mind that the jury didn't, they obviously didn't believe the story that he had told them. They accepted the prosecution's case that he was a liar and uh, as he was called by Lorcan uh, Staines for the prosecution, a practiced liar and a skilled liar, a man who was able to weave weave stories and weave truth in with his lies in order to make his lies more believable. I think when that became clear that the jury accepted that part of the prosecution case, it probably meant that they were expect they were more likely to be expecting a guilty verdict in relation to this. So yes, there was a, a certain amount of stoicism from um, Aaron Brady's side of the court. He himself uh, once the verdict was announced, uh, just simply stood up and went to the cell area. He's been in custody anyway, mm. so that wouldn't have been anything different for him. But he stood up, went into the cell area without really engaging or acknowledging anyone in the courtroom. His uh, Obviously, his, his family were upset, but um, the greater amount of emotion was certainly shown on the other side, where there were a lot of tears, um, I suppose, seven years after the tragic death of Adrian Donahoe, it was a, you know, it was a momentous mm. day for his wife and for his um, his siblings and so on, yeah. And was there one thing in particular that linked him to the robbery uh, from all of the evidence uh, that you heard? Because uh, as you say, I think once it was established uh, that he was at the credit union and part of that armed gang that night, the only question was then, was it manslaughter, murder or, or capital murder? Yeah, I mean, manslaughter was introduced into the case. I don't think anyone ever really thought that that was a possibility. It was introduced on the grounds that it may have been a warning shot that was fired. But the the thing about it is, if you establish that Aaron Brady was the shooter, and that's obviously the jury have done Mm. that now, it's very hard really to say that he... It's almost impossible to imagine Mm. that he couldn't... that he wouldn't have known precisely what he was doing. This was a very well-organised gang. They knew that there was an armed escort going with this money. Uh, they knew that there would be armed Gardaí there, and they had a loaded weapon. Mm. And obviously the intention he, was... that He looked Adrian Donoghue in the eye. I mean, I think that is uh, one of the most important points, isn't it? He was so close to him. He looked him in the eye, uh, and he, he made a calculated decision, a cold-blooded decision, and he decided to kill Adrian Donoghue. This is it. And uh, obviously Detective Gardaí Donoghue didn't even have the opportunity to draw his weapon. It was still clipped into his holster. Um, if if Aaron Brady, you know, it's quite clear, I think, if you look at the video, that he knew that this was a moment where if the guard is out of the car, there was, you know, he had to act, and that's what he did, He and he was willing to do that. He was willing to take that guard's life in order to make sure that this robbery went the way that he wanted it to go. But I suppose the jury had to come to the conclusion first that he, he was there and therefore part of the gang and therefore the shooter. Uh, but uh, is was there anything that stood out in your mind that would have linked him uh, to the events of uh, that night? Uh, because uh, he had said that he was off uh, laundering diesel and so on uh, and had all sorts of stories and t- stories that changed over a period of time. Uh, but uh, obviously the jury didn't believe him. 
Yeah, so there, obviously, again, yeah, you, you said it already, it's a circumstantial case. So each little piece isn't, they're, they're not all that convincing on their own. But there was one thing that I, I found really, it, was, it would have been hard, uh, you know, really mm. linked him to it was the fact that he was involved in stealing that Volkswagen Passat that you described, started pulling up in front of the gates. And when he got to a... Oh, I'm sorry, Owen, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the Gardaí found that Volkswagen Passat. It was burnt out in Northern Ireland. And uh, it was burnt out to such an extent that there were no forensics from it, but they were able to identify it from its chassis number. And then they were able to trawl through CCTV in County Louth and find... They knew where this car had been stolen from, and they spotted... Aaron, you know, Aaron Brady's best friend, Suspect A, has he's been called throughout this. And he was driving, clearly in his car, down to Clara Head, where this car was stolen from in the early hours of the morning. And then a car matching his uh, BMW was seen travelling north again towards uh, where they lived, out in Belurgan, and uh, pulling into Suspect A's house then uh, about five o'clock in the morning. And it, when it became clear that that whole group that this gang was linked to the stealing of that car it was impossible really to separate them from the rest of the events because that car was so integral to the entire robbery and when you tied that mm. in then with the fact that you know their phones went dead mm. all at the same time about one hour before this they remained off for about one hour after and then they all came on together at the same time there was a lot of contact between these this group of people this you know five or six who are believed to have been involved uh, yeah, it, it's all mm. those things when you pull them all together. And then you add the evidence from America to all of that, because he got very lippy in America, didn't he? Yeah, so we heard evidence from Daniel Cahill and Molly Staunton, who both heard Aaron Brady uh, accept or admit that he killed a guard or he shot a cop. He used There were various phrases used, but they weren't the only two people who, who heard that. There were at least four other witnesses who had given statements to Gardy of having heard very, very similar admissions from Aaron Brady on numerous occasions. And the Gardy are aware of dozens of other people who could have given similar statements to Gardy but chose not to come forward. It, it does appear that Aaron Brady, when he was in America, he really did wear this moniker of Gardy killer or cop killer as a badge of honour. It was something that he felt... Uh, um, gave him stature in among that community and uh, it was something that he just couldn't help himself from boasting about, talking about. Sometimes mm. he seems to have done it, you know, in quite a morose way where he'd be crying, lamenting, but other times it's clear that he was using this as something that might intimidate other people, might make people feel that he was, you know, as he called himself, the most feared man in Ireland or the big, Ireland's biggest gangster. These are the kind of phrases that he used about himself. Okay, Owen, we'll leave it there for the moment, but thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning and indeed throughout the trial. Uh, the coverage ha- has uh, been exceptional and we really appreciate it and thank you very much indeed. That's Owen Reynolds, uh, news reporter working in uh, the Central Criminal Court. Now we'll speak to somebody else who we've been speaking to throughout uh, the last seven years about uh, this terrible local atrocity. Stephen Breen is crime editor with uh, the Irish Sun and he's been Uh, covering this story extensively over the years uh, and extensively today for that matter. Just looking at uh, the front page of uh, The Sun this morning, Stephen, and you have a photograph of Aaron Brady. Uh, The moment he's arrested in the United States, uh, which goes back to 2017. But I say there's extensive coverage in The Sun today uh, because it goes on from page one to page two, page three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten and eleven. Yes, uh, Michael, I think it was worthy that we uh, uh, devote a lot of our attention and a lot of the pages within the newspaper 
to this heinous crime and to the fact that after seven years of the intense guard investigation, uh, someone has finally been brought to justice for the, the brutal murder of an innocent father of two who died uh, serving his community. Um, we, I thought it was a, a good angle to go on was to speak to uh, those law enforcement officers across the Atlantic in uh, New York who were played a key role you know, in, in bringing Aaron Brady to justice. Uh, and I, I spoke to an officer who was part of the NYPD's Intelligence Bureau and, and his task was to monitor and, and keep a, a constant flow of information with the Gardaí in relation to Brady's movements because as the Garda investigation was continuing, you know, I remember him telling me that there was a time when the Garda were concerned that Brady might try and move um, from New York and perhaps disappear because he knew the investigation was, was ongoing in Ireland. And there was one occasion where uh, the Garda received information that a, a removal van uh, had been seen close to uh, Brady's apartment, but when the, the NYPD were immediately dispatched to investigate this, and they established that it was, it was just one of his relatives who was moving at that time. So there was great cooperation there. Mm. And I also spoke to a former superintendent, Brian Mohan, who was one of the officers who travelled to um, America during the investigation. And he also spoke as well about the excellent relationship that was built up between the U.S. authorities there. So I think it was important just to, to reflect and understand what was going on at that time. And when I spoke to the, uh, a detective, a former detective, uh, James Walsh, he provided an, ex- an excellent analysis of what the investigation meant and, and how determined they were as well to assist the Gardaí because he spoke about being a global police family and how they would do everything in their power to help the guards apprehend this callous killer. OK, I believe uh, retired uh, detective... Uh, Officer James Walsh, uh, retired detective with uh, NYPD, has uh, given two interviews in this country, one to yourself in uh, The Irish Sun, Stephen, and uh, the other to this programme, which we'll be hearing later on uh, this morning. Uh, And it certainly does give an interesting insight into uh, Brady's activities there. Uh, The photograph of him in uh, The Sun this morning uh, looks uh, like somebody who's bedraggled, dragged out of bed at five o'clock in the morning. Somebody who who James Walsh says was living a nice life in America, but that life was about to end. And now he starts this sentence this morning. There's others, though, who Gardaí are closing in on, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is an ongoing investigation. Gardaí have identified other members of this criminal gang who were behind a a lot of criminal activity along the border in the years prior to the the murder of Adrian Donoghue. they're slowly but surely putting together a case, just like they did in relation to Aaron Brady. You know, the extensive mm. work that went on, even especially after um, Aaron Brady was charged, a lot of work had to be done there, and the, the investigation team deserve great credit for their professionalism, their dedication. And it must have been hard for them as well to work, you know, to try and bring this person to justice when they'd lost a colleague, you know, they'd lost a friend, someone at, at their station. And so many Garda units were, were involved in this. And uh, you heard yesterday from... Deputy Commissioner John Timmy, it's not over yet and they will come knocking on people's doors and I think, you know, there'll be ongoing cooperation with the PSNI, you know, with, with the American authorities as well and it, it will continue and I wouldn't be surprised to see others before the courts in relation to this brutal murder. Okay. And uh, where will they be arrested? Uh, I take it uh, some of them, at least, are not in this country. No, no, some of them aren't are uh, different uh, jurisdictions, so that's where, you know, the Gardaí will work closely. They've already built up good good relationships with, um, you know, the PSNI in relation to this investigation, so there is an international dimension to it. So, 
you know, there, there will be uh, close contact with their colleagues uh, in the north. So uh, when they have everything together, when they have the evidence, you know, they have the directions from the DPP, I think that they'll be satisfied and that they'll work closely and there's nothing to stop, you know, if someone is in the north and that they're linked to this crime for mutual assistance and extradition. So they will go through the proper channels uh, in the legal process to bring uh, whoever it is they have identified uh, to, ju- to justice. Okay, Stephen, we'll leave there for the moment and thank you as always uh, for joining us and we'll remind people of uh, the coverage in uh, The Sun this morning because it is very comprehensive and extensive running over the first 11 pages of uh, the paper this morning. Stephen Breen, Crime Editor with The Irish Sun. Michael Reed on LMFM. The senior investigating officer for the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue was Detective Inspector Pat Murray, now retired Detective Inspector. Pat Murray is on the line and a very good morning to you, Pat, and thanks for joining us once again on the programme this morning. I take it the 25th of January 2013 is a night you'll never forget. It's a night I will never forget. Um, it was a shock when I learned of Adrian's murder, uh, I'll never get over the atmosphere in the Garda station when I went in that night. Uh, uh, grown men and women crying their eyes out. People in going around in a days of just disbelief. You know, we all felt that this should not happen. Uh, we did. We don't deserve that as an organisation. We didn't deserve that in Dundalk and. Uh, people came up to me like just with blank expressions on their face like you know wanting to know what, like what's the story what happened what's you know and they they didn't realise that I was feeling exactly the same as they were like you know mm. but a job had to be done and I had to get the investigation up and running and that's exactly uh, what I did uh, and I must uh like, you know, congratulate the, the, the members of the team I picked for the various uh, uh, areas of speciality that was required. And they worked tirelessly over the years uh, to bring a case uh, to court. And, like, their evidence over the last six months was, uh, you know, uh, really, really uh, valuable. Okay. And... Uh quite substantial, given that this was uh, the biggest murder investigation in uh, the history of uh, the state. It started straight away, and within hours, Aaron Brady was a name that came to your mind, I think, one of 12 names that you wrote down on a list. Is that right? Yeah, well, what's actually happened is that uh, one of the first uh, jobs I did was to get my detective sergeants to draw up a list of people that would be capable of doing such a thing and they had to have border accents because my uh, detect- my detective, Joe Ryan, uh, who was obviously with Adrian Dunhill, was able to relate to us that there were local accents that were border, that they weren't like Northern Ireland or they weren't, uh, they weren't English and they weren't travellers and they, they weren't uh, Dublin accents like, you know, he, and Joe had served 23 years on the border so he knows what he was talking about. So on that um, common sense approach, I just looked for a list of people that might be involved in such activity or could do such a thing. And Aaron Brady was on that list. The sixth name on a list of 12 people, uh, which you whittled down eventually. Yeah, I whittled down because that night I made, 
I had uh, I divided my teams up and sent them out uh, to each and every one of the people on the list to uh, find out where they were at half nine. And uh, there was one person on that list that couldn't be located, and he wasn't at the address he should have been, and uh, that was Aaron Brady. So uh, that sort of put him in a little bit that he wasn't suspect, and everybody was there as a person that needs to be just eliminated. Mm. And the following day, he was stopped by chance by a very uh, sharp guard who uh, saw him in a car with another person and stopped him and uh, asked him for uh, to account for his movements the day before. And he gave an account uh, involving the other person within the car with him. And when that person, they were both separated and the other person was questioned, he gave a different story. So... It was, uh, then there was a little bit of a red flag saying, well, what's, you know, what's going on here? Like, you know, uh, his story is not checking out. And uh, in actual fact, he, he, had, he had contacted his girlfriend directly after that encounter with the guard and asked her to, to uh, say that uh, he was with her from half seven in the evening, like, you know. Was it which, then, at that point, or at some point later that he became the key no, suspect? He, no, he, he came, it was later on because uh, he, he, he um, came along and uh, he, well, what he actually did he, he, and it came out during the t- trial like he, he he got his girlfriend to lie for him and like we had obviously we checked phone records and we could see at a time he was saying that he was with her uh, there was contact between them on the phone so like if he's with her mm. in the house like <laughs> what are you doing yeah. so we sort of had a little bit of suspicion about that and also uh, the phone calls showed that not only him but the other person in the car had contacted a person that was suspect for the first armed robbery in Lordship Credit Union. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of questions that need answering. And the first, let's say the first armed robbery in Lordship Credit Union, the modus operandi was very similar to the one on the night Adrian was killed, so... And that led to armed escorts. Yeah, 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 it led me to which, believe that which, look at these people mm-hmm. may have something to mm-hmm. do with this. But as we progressed, we, we uh, you know, we had no doubt that mm-hmm. he was involved. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, 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 like, you know, it's very hard to, to the public to understand, but, like, you know, we had over 6,000 lines of inquiry, like, you know, mm-hmm. I was... You know what I mean? It was a huge, a massive task. But, uh, yeah, but that, 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 that first armed robbery at Lordship uh, was the reason that uh, uh, there was an armed escort uh, given uh, yes, to yes, these yes, uh, cash yes. transfers. Uh, and uh, I suppose it, it was Aaron Brady uh, who was responsible for this from the beginning. He told many tall stories, and uh, I'm sure that to some degree those tall stories thwarted your investigations to some degree, uh, but did you ever expect that it would take seven and a half years to bring him to justice? Uh, well, you know, people have often asked me that, like, why do you want to come to court quicker and this, that, and the other, but time is not really of uh, importance. What's important that the investigation is run uh, in a fair and balanced manner and that the evidence that is, 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 is uh, uncovered is properly uh, represented and like, I prefer eight or ten years to go past and have a, a tight case than, let's say, trying to rush it and uh, not doing your job properly. Like, and I'd never do that. Uh, mm. And the team wouldn't do it. And we, 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 and we it was a forensic investigation, you were it saying? It was forensic, yeah. 6,000 really, really, pieces of evidence? 6,000 inquiries. And uh, each inquiry. 
inquiry had to be fully, uh, you know, put to bed or, like, you know, it is either going to be evidential or not mm-hmm. or whatever, and we had to follow it. And there was, uh, you know, we got a break in America. Mm. Uh, I got a, um, a phone call from a guy uh, in America, and he, he, like, he was able to tell me that, uh, you know, he had uh, information that he heard Aaron Brady saying he did it. And uh, we went to America, and he, he uh, you know, made a statement and stood up and said, look, I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing this for for Caroline Donahue and the children, and, and it's the proper thing to do. He said it. He was a, a, a man of moral standing, like, you know, a, mm. good, a good man. He was, he was from the border region, but uh, he knew what he was doing by making the statement that he may, mm. you know, be sort of standing outside the, uh, the bubble of evil that that, that, mm. that, 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 that sort of exists up there on the border region, you know. But he wanted to do the right thing, and mm. as a result of that, we developed more strands of uh, evidence over there. And I actually, I, my, one of my ideas when I came back to I'm going to do a, a postal campaign in, in, in New York, in the Bronx and Yonkers and that, and uh, that's exactly what we did. And I got the posters printed here and got them posted in Toronto, actually, and uh, we got them to America and they were put up in shops and that. And as a result of that, I got another phone call uh, from a person who saw my number on the poster and mm. he rang and he said look I'd like to help out I can I think I know people that might know something and he gave us names of people we should talk to it sounds like you pursued this with all your might oh, uh, which is probably absolutely. the way you've yeah. taken on all of your cases and we've spoken to yeah. you many times over the years about yeah. cases as you were investigating them and indeed afterwards as you reflected yeah. on your career uh, in your book The Making of a Detective but would you say that this was the most important of all because it was so close to home very important of course it was like as I said I rubbed shoulders with Adrian every day he was one of my detectives um, you know and what a lovely lad he was like you know Jenny really a really 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 nice guy like you know very calm nature uh, very very good detective anytime I tasked him with uh, jobs uh, to do uh, he'd have them back on your desk ahead of time and done with utmost perfection like you know Okay. professionalism he was really and a lovely nice guy to chat with and just a nice nice guy and you know a lot of charity mm. work there around Lordship and you done a lot of training at juvenile football mm. like you know to, to keep kids straight and yeah. go the wrong training the under 12s in the past we're yeah. going, to, be, we're going yeah. to hear so much about Adrian uh, and the yeah, type of person he was a, lo- a lovely guy now like mm. a lovely guy and, and you know uh, just it, it sort of rocked us it really 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 rocked us it was a an uppercut to, to us, like it really, really was. Like, and uh, so I'm glad that we were able to yeah. get to the bottom of it. It's, bit, it's bittersweet, but congratulations to, to, to you and all of yeah, the team. Yeah, it can't so bring Adrian back, obviously, yeah, no. but a, a thoroughly professional job. Congratulations yeah, on that. And, uh, Thanks, Michael. Thank you indeed, Pat, for joining us this morning. That's retired Detective Inspector Pat Murray, who was uh, the senior investigating officer for the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Dunhill. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now let's hear from a, a very good friend of Adrian Donahue, Seamus Savage. I spoke uh, to Seamus yesterday afternoon as uh, the guilty verdict was coming in. Well, it's uh, it's, it's hard to know how to feel really to tell you the truth. It's, it's not going to bring him back, but I suppose it's a, it's a victory for justice. Um, it was a long time coming, seven years. I suppose it's seven years freedom that he shouldn't have had. But the 
the guards have done a marvellous job. And I think probably the heroes in all this at the minute now is is the witnesses, the amount of witnesses that came forward, because this uh, seemed to be a very brutal, tuggish gang that done this, and the witnesses seem to have no problem coming forward and giving evidence that's got the result that uh, we were all looking for today. And it's what you've hoped and prayed for undoubtedly over the course of the last seven years. It's uh, been a long seven years, uh, I'm sure. Did you ever feel that justice wouldn't be served, that Aaron Brady wouldn't be brought uh, to account? Uh, no, no. I, I always had faith on, on Gareth Chicago that they would eventually um, come up with the, with, the, with the proper result. And, um, like... <laughs> There's still another three or four in that gang that haven't been got yet, and it's it's time now they either come forward or there's someone who knows something mm. that's hiding something should should be coming forward and and given this information because it's just going on far too long now and for for Caroline and and the two kids to to get a small peace of mind. I know this is really makes no difference to their life today, mm. but it's just I suppose it's a, it's a it's a positive in what has been a very negative last seven years. Indeed, it's an ongoing investigation. There were three other men who jumped the wall with Aaron Brady, one other of them, a gunman, and then there was a getaway driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, well, hopefully, uh, in time, they will all be got, and um, everything will be settled in, and... It's it's just see that the, the last seven years it, it would always appear in the paper. Mm. Now and again, it would just you know you now see a big picture of Adrian appearing, and it was just like a, a kick in the stomach again, you know. And it's just it was ongoing. It never it never went away. Not it, you don't want the memory of Adrian to go away, but just what happened. Will you ever forget the 25th of January? Cold winter's night, a horrible night, torrential rain that night. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think anyone in this area will ever forget that night. It was, it was just horrific now, and just as the hours went on, it just got, it got worse and worse. The news of, mm. of what had happened and how it happened, and and it's ironic looking back as well, isn't it, Seamus? In that because of the rain, the terrible heavy rain that night, and some road closures in the area, Adrian and his partner Joe Ryan were uh, late uh, arriving and uh, the original uh, Garda uh, car was uh, manned by Alan Lynch and Tony Golden, uh, the late Tony Golden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just just, so strange the way way the whole thing happened now, but it was, it's it's horrific now for for the Donoghue family and for the Golden family. Both have lost their loved ones and there's, there's no coming back for them now, but these these days will give them maybe some bit of light and some mm. bit of hope. Did you know the name Aaron Brady uh, soon after Adrian's killing? No, no, I would I would have known none of that, and <coughs> I didn't want to know, to be honest with you. I just wanted someone held responsible, mm. as everyone did. But you went to the house, uh, you were with Caroline as uh, confirmation of Adrian's death was coming through. Yeah, well, Caroline had actually left the house by the time we got down. She had gone over to Adrian, which was, it was unbelievable the way, the way she, the way she came across them days was just unreal. She, she's, she's a tower of strength. Mm. She was really brilliant. Um, 
the house was filling up with all the, the family coming and uh oh sure it was just it was horrific now and the the, the worst of it all was the, the two kids mm. and not knowing what had happened and um the way it got the next day to to their life changed forever seven, se- such a such a great man mm. se- se- seven years on uh, i'm sure amy and niall aren't so young now no no, no, they've turned into two fabulous kids. Mm. And um, he would be so proud of them. It didn't matter what they did, he was proud of them anyway. He was, I said it a few times now, but I'm not, I'm not joking when I say it. He, he definitely was a model father and he just adored the ground he walked walk on. He just loved, he loved his family and that was number one with him. But uh, Neil and Amy are, are two excellent kids. Two yeah. excellent kids now and are brilliant uh, for Caroline and Caroline is brilliant with them and that's the main thing once you can keep them safe and happy mm. is, is the main thing yeah, and I mean kids seem to love him uh, he's synonymous obviously with uh, the Pats uh, and was coaching kids uh, 6 foot 4 giant a gentle giant I think you and others have described him as a father figure in the community yeah definitely he was he was he was someone who um Anyone, anyone could talk to. He, he could have a conversation with anyone. My kids at home now used to love him coming and they'd have great crack with him and that. And it was the same when he was down around the club and started uh, looking after underage football and that. And mm. you'd just see the, all the kids around him and the big smile on his face. He just loved it. Mm. And you remember him, of course, before he and Caroline had kids. Uh, you were at their wedding. Uh, you'd been friends for many years. Uh, if Adrian was with us uh, today, under different circumstances, hearing this verdict, uh, what do you think Adrian would say? Oh, he just he just say justice has been done. That's just everything was straightforward with him. Like, you know, there was no. Uh, no side with chats or anyone. It was just whatever was, was. He was as honest a man as you could meet. And he just gave 100% to whatever he did. Be it football, I'd take it. He'd do the same for his work. I didn't know much now about his work, work part of it, but mm. definitely with the football and training and all that. Mm. He loved the crack, but he still would give 100%. Uh, I'm sure it's very difficult for you to think uh, uh, about... Uh Hey, Aaron Brady uh, today uh, it took 58 seconds this whole raid uh, he'll get 40 years uh, but he, he's left Caroline without a husband and his uh, two children without a father for all of these years yeah well that's as I say I try not to think about him at all but um, in, in one of the witnesses he's believed to have said he wanted to become a better man for his own child mm. but he wasn't thinking that Um the light that he yeah, put a gun to Adrian's head and left his kids without a father and the other people involved of course uh, Adrian's partner Joe Ryan yes Pat Bellew Bernard McShane volunteers for the credit union yeah all people who have will be affected for the rest of their lives for for these tugs that was just trying to get a few handy pounds and I, I'm sure 40 years uh, is appropriate to say the least oh yes at least yes it definitely is but it's like he's he's going to be there he'll have he'll be looked after like it's it's nearly too good for him if you ask me to be honest with you but um, that's the way it is and uh, I just wish he could feel the pain that the family 
have felt for the last seven years. I wish he could feel that for the rest of his life, what they have been going through. Seamus, um, before you go, uh, sympathies to you uh, and uh, to everybody in the community. And will you pass on our, our sympathies to Caroline, Amy and Niall as well, please? I will do. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye. Seamus Savage is a good friend of the late Detective Garda, Adrian Dunhu. Michael Reed on LMFM. As you've been hearing, Aaron Brady, a 29-year-old man from Cross Midland in County Armagh, has been found guilty of stealing €7,000 in cash and assorted checks from the Lordship Credit Union, Blurgan, in County Louth seven years ago. He was tried in front of a jury of 12 of his peers at the Central Criminal Court who delivered the verdict. The five men and seven women also found Brady to be guilty of the capital murder of Detective Garda Adrian. Donahue on the 25th of January 2013. We heard rumours that there was that a guard had been shot at, at the credit union, you know, and we just waited then, and next thing we heard that it was Adrian. This is LMFM News. The headlines, uh, Detective Garda has been killed by armed raiders at the Lordship Credit Union in Balurgan. Gardaí say 41-year-old Adrian Donoghue was shot at close range in the back of the head with a long barrel shotgun by a masked raider. It was just dis- disbelief, you know. We were, the guy was sitting at home with my wife and dad and we were just sick, you know. We just... You didn't know what to do, you know, and even today, like, everyone I'd love to help out in some way or other, you know, but we're all helpless, you know, so hopefully the, the guards now can find the perpetrators of this, but it won't bring Adrian back, you know. Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue, a 41-year-old father of two, was gunned down as he confronted armed robbers at the Lordship Credit Union on a cold Friday night. On Garda Siakana, first he would like to acknowledge the huge amount of public support we have received since the murder of our colleague, Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue, at Lordship Credit Union, Belurgan, Jenkinstown, Dock last Friday. Uh, the response and the show of sympathy from the public has been overwhelming and uh, the huge support both locally and further afield. It means a great deal to the family and friends of, and colleagues of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue and it's a source of great comfort at this difficult time. Uh, the investigation is ongoing and uh, we have over 100 Garda involved including specialist uh, national units and regional units and we're liaising closely with our colleagues in the PSNI and just like to also acknowledge their support and assistance. Um, just anyone with any information in relation to the investigation is asked to contact the incident room in Dundalk Garda Station on 042-938-8470. Any information at all, just, uh, just to please contact the station. The local parish priest, Father Porrig Murphy, was at the scene minutes after the shooting. They actually shot him and then proceeded then to, to get the money and threaten one or two other people who were there who were f- fearful of their lives. Dreadful. It was really, I mean, it's a scene that you would not, it's, you always hear these things happening somewhere else or in a large urban area, but not, not in a rural community. For, I mean, he and his colleagues, and my sympathy goes to them because they have lost a colleague and it must be a dreadful a dreadful, dreadful thing for them to come to terms with. But I mean, you know, everybody was in a state of shock 
I was shocked myself when I realised the enormity of the situation when I arrived. It's something you just don't anticipate. Well, the family have been with the family over the last few days, like, you know, and needless to say, they're just, they're totally devastated by what has happened. Totally devastated by what has happened. Father Murphy spent the weekend trying to comfort his widow, Caroline, also a Garda officer, and their two young children, Amy and Niall. As if a dark cloud had descended on our community, people are finding it difficult to come to terms with really what has happened. They can't really believe that such a thing could happen in a community like this, you know, such a rural part of County Louth and such a scenic and beautiful part of County Louth. It's the last thing would have been on our minds. A massive Garda hunt for the killers got underway immediately. The first breakthrough in the investigation that they've got, and this car believed to be the, the getaway vehicle used by the gang, a dark-coloured uh, car, probably Passat, was found burned out yesterday uh, in a wooded area uh, not too far from Darkley, where the INLA Commission in Atrocity in 1983 when they went in to where a group of people were worshipping and murdered three of them and injured seven others. Uh, this car has been completely gutted, but uh, the Gardaí and the PSNI are hopeful that they will be able to get some information from us that will help to point them in the right direction. But at least it helps them in the meantime to narrow down the list of suspects. Initially, they were looking at three possibilities, uh, a crime gang, that could have been involved either from the Loud area or across the border in, in Armagh, uh, the possibility of just a local gang, or else a, um, a, a dissident terrorist gang, or a, a gang uh, had come up from, from Dublin. So now it rules out the Dublin uh, possibility. It's pointed very firmly in the direction of cross-border. The shock locally was palpable. Adrian Donoghue was described as a father figure in his community. He played and coached for his local GAA club, St. Patrick's GFC. Members of his beloved club spoke of their disbelief. Everybody's numb here at the moment. Um, we're all recovering from the shock of um, um, happening on our doorstep. Adrian, Adrian has been very highly involved with the club. Of course, he was an ex-player, a mentor to our under-seven nursery team. Um, every Thursday night, you see him out in the field with the kids. He was also involved with under-16s last year. He was, a, he was a role model for all our children and the, the local community is um, shocked. We're devastated here in the club. I mean, we had the two kids last summer at the summer camp. Just so innocent. It's just heartbreaking to think to left without father and... Adrian, like I mean, he was just brilliant. He moved into the area and not only played with the club, but did everything possible. He supported them. He like he was down the country with us there before Christmas. He took over the old sport. I mean, the last few months I've been searching for a manager for the ladies' team, and Adrian was more than helpful. I rang him, and not only like he told us obviously he couldn't do it, he was with the underage, but he took it on himself to go and ring round and help us out to try and find somebody else. We're devastated by his, by the loss. I suppose we have to think of his family now at this moment in time. Hopefully they can, they can get through this um, this dark time. He's an awful loss to the club, but it's it's just in small proportions to the loss to Caroline and to the kids and to his parents and siblings. Adrian, like myself, is um, was a blow-in. 
but never made feel any any different. Well, this club is very welcome. It's a, it's a family. Um, uh, the the sad thing is that Adrian, you know, when in, lived within a hundred yards of the club, he lived for the club, and when in a couple of miles away, he died protecting people in the community. Obviously, this area's gone through an awful lot in the last few years. There's a lot of tragedies and that, and everybody's stuck together. But I mean, to see the amount of people coming in the night just shows how much he made himself at home here and how involved he was. And it just goes to show how well Adrian was got. But the number of people are coming in here today saying in the Book of Condolences for the parish here and for the wider community of Cluny Peninsula, he'll be very sadly missed. such a waste of a young man like we used to know him as Big A and he was just a he was a gentle giant you know everyone loved him and just to think that he's gone now you know it's, it's ridiculous Adrian was a man he was big in stature big in heart a man of great integrity as somebody mentioned earlier on there a gentle giant he was a lovely man and anything he could do to help you uh, he would do it so, um, as I say again, I don't use the word lightly. Adrian's a hero. A hero to everybody. The community, the Pats, and, as Porrick O'Connor explains, the county mourned the death of Adrian Donoghue. He was the man we all we all wanted to be on the team. You know, he was... Uh, we had a county board meeting last um, Monday, actually this night, fortnight, and on the way into the county board meeting, um, who was there, only Adrian, attending his... Um, I think it was the, the um, first stage of his coaching course where he was getting his qualifications to go back to his beloved club. Um, and, of course, a big smile and hi, Porrick, and hi, Adrian. That's the sort of lad he was. Um, he, w- he was the sort of fellow you, you always wanted on your team, whether on the field or off the field. And uh, I suppose discreetly in life, things have to be done and investigated. But Adrian was always there. You could always count on him to look after things discreetly for you, make a friendly phone call. He was always there for the club. If someone needed someone on a, on a, on a special day, he was the first one to turn up. Of course, he loved his kids and loved um, his family very much. But you would want to see him on the field uh, with these kids around him. He was about six foot four in height. And um, to see him with these under sevens, running around him, barely reaching up to his knee. And that's the sort of people we wanted in the GEA. And we were so lucky to have got him so many years ago. And we didn't realise the gem we had until, I suppose, he started to play in the middle of the field for the Pats and then contributed so much off the field to the Pats it, it, he will be sadly missed. The time had come to say goodbye. It was never going to be easy. A difficult day for everyone, but particularly for, for Caroline and and uh, Adrian's family. But she is such an incredible woman, and um, her her main objective is the protection of her children. And I mean, she can do nothing about what has happened here. Uh, her her life has been thrown into into disarray. Widowed by an armed raider on a cold winter's night, Caroline met with her local priest and made the arrangements to lay her beloved Adrian to rest. Caroline prepared so much of it herself. I was with her last night until about half past eleven. And like the whole of the Mass she had planned and 
you know, despite having to having to be there, you know, for the for the two kids and explaining to them that that their their daddy's in heaven and you know being there for everyone who, who she has great great neighbours and wonderful colleagues in in, in the Gardaí, but she's an incredible woman, and I don't think you know this this wouldn't have hit her yet. It, it can't have because it's just such a devastating blow. Beautiful couple, you know, and beautiful family, and oh, it's, it's, it's appalling. Expressions of sympathy were made in the doll with widespread condemnation for the killing of Agarda. Without exception, the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue was considered to be an attack against the state, an attack on all of us. Enda Kenny and Michal Martin promised the people of Ireland there would be justice for the slain police officer. The brutal act of violence in Lordship County Loud on Friday night was a bleak moment for the entire country. In homes all across the country, ordinary people were deeply shocked by the news of the cold-blooded slaying of Garda Detective Adrian Donoghue as he stood in the line of service of his country. The state has suffered a direct attack. On Gorda Shikona has endured the loss of a dear colleague. But more profound again, the family of Adrian Donoghue have lost a loving husband, father, brother and a son. We can never ever forget the human cost of this savage act of violence. I want to assure the family of Adrian Donoghue and the people of Ireland, that those who committed this barbarous and this, this, coward, this act of cowardice will face the full rigours of the law. The penalty for those found guilty of killing a member of Ungoda Shikana is a minimum mandatory sentence of 40 years imprisonment upon conviction, and they will serve that. Tributes to Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue were led by President Michael D. Higgins and Anthishok Endekenny. The Garda Commissioner has made it clear that they will use every resource available to apprehend the murderers. And in their efforts in this, they have the full support of the government, of the entire House and of the Irish people. So it is also appropriate that we today acknowledge the service that members of Ungorda Shiochana provide on our behalf every day, which service might oftentimes be taken for granted. Without their willingness and their courage to protect the community, violence and disorder could certainly prevail and the rights and well-being of law-abiding people would be crushed. This was the service that Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue was providing to his community when his life was so cruelly taken away. The law and the authority of this state must not and will not be challenged in the manner of the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue. May he rest in peace and to his family our deepest sympathy from a day from which they will never recover. It was expected that the killer would be brought to justice soon, as journalist Paul Williams explained. There may be difficulties, the number of difficulties they may have. One is that the border, the, 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 the fact that 
they're working with the PSNI and the PSNI are working with the, very closely with them. The problem is that the PSNI does not have the, feet, the boots on the ground in South Armagh and across the border in Europe the way they should have. So while they have the best will in the world to do whatever they can, uh, there are constraints on what they can do because they can't physically go in and move in to South Armagh and start intensive door-to-door inquiries and investigations. Um, the evidence, it, I believe, will come when they start arresting people because uh, because you have so many people now know about this. And the, the template used in the Veronica Gearn case is you, it's like a concentric zone uh, or a concentric circle uh, theory whereby you move from the outer circles to the inner circles. And you pick off the people around these people, you question them, you get information, you then build on that information, you get more people, you bring them in. And people will not want to be associated with this outrage, number one, and they will talk, because nobody wants, will want to be seen to be, in any way, have blood on their hands. So eventually, I believe, my, this my, I'm only saying this personally, my gut feeling is that what will happen is you'll have a number of people who will turn states witness and they will give these guys up and they will give evidence and that evidence will be will have will be corroborated uh, by other physical evidence and I, that, that's the way I would read this thing going I, 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 I've been absolutely after 25 years covering this kind of uh, horror um, that they will make a, a really they will make their breakthrough and they will bring these people to justice for what it is they will never bring Adrian Dunham back but it, uh, they will certainly be brought to justice I believe Adrian Donoghue received a state funeral which was attended by the President, the Taoiseach and hundreds of members of Angardashia Kana. One of uh, the Gardaí in attendance, Adrian's brother, Colm Donoghue, said this. We are devastated by the senseless and tragic loss of Adrian. On all the occasions he'll miss his kids grow up. We take some comfort from the fact that he packed so much into a short life. He lived it to his fullest. Always with a smile on his face. Rest in peace, Adrian. The chief celebrant at Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue's funeral, Father Michael Cusack, made this appeal from the pulpit. I have absolutely no doubt that there are people who today know who has caused this dreadful sorrow in the lives of so many. And if there's anyone who knows anything about that. If you have any semblance of goodness in you, for God's sake, turn these people in. The Chief of Police, Garda Commissioner Martin Callanan, told mourners Gardaí would crack the case. Speaking from the pulpit, he thanked everyone for their support. Adrian's colleagues are committed to ensuring that we bring the perpetrators of this callous crime to justice. Our resolve is strengthened by the overwhelming support from the President of Ireland, from the government and from members of the public. I walked behind my best friend and I was surrounded by my friends and that's what kept me going. And I have got thousands and thousands of cards and letters and the, I have got letters 
on days that I really needed them the most from people and they were they were just beautiful and there is no way that I can individually thank all of the people but it was just I am so humbled by it the people thought so much of him to do that for us um, like the people of Lordship and Dundalk and my Garda colleagues have been phenomenal there is nothing that they wouldn't do for us Detective Garda Adrian Donahue's widow, Caroline, received a People of the Year award on behalf of Adrian from Michal Omoraherty. Adrian Donahue was a family man, much loved by Caroline, Niall and Amy, his parents, his brothers and sisters. He will be remembered by the GAA community and the children whom he coached, and in turn by their children will go on to play and attend the Adrian Donoghue Park in the wee county of Nath. Let the loss of this brave officer remind us, lest we forget, that there are people there who look out for us without being asked. And tonight, let's be proud that we still live in communities that produce men like Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue. It is with great honour that I now ask Adrian's wife, Caroline, to come forward to accept this award. Caroline told us how she first met Adrian Donoghue. I met Adrian in 1994 when I went to join the Guards. And we both went to Templemore that day. Um, from the first day we met, we clicked. And after a few years, we got married in Kilkee. And we have two beautiful children, Amy and Denali. There's nothing Adrian wouldn't have done for us. Sure, he was just the best in the whole world. Detective Garda Adrian Donahue's widow remembers the man she loved, the father of their two children, Amy and Niall. The best father any child could ever have. There was nobody like Adrian. And Adrian was the love of my life. And I will miss him every minute of every day. As long as I think everybody in Ireland wished that they would be there, but they were helpless really like all of us. But I'll never forget the sight of so many Gardaí walking down an endless line of Gardaí. I know buses brought Gardaí from all over Ireland. It was a demonstration of what we all think of the Gardaí since the day they were founded way back in the 1920s and Adrian was an example of the very best. Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue's widow Caroline spoke at the RTA People of the Year Awards with just her memories of Adrian left and thanks for the support she received from across the world, from all over the country and from the town. We got cards and letters from America, the UK, everywhere, all over Ireland. And the support that people gave us was just tremendous. I would particularly like to thank St. Patrick's GA for what they did at the time of Adrian's funeral, for the way they welcomed thousands of people and the organisation that went into that. Um, the club members, people that weren't in the, club, in the locality, surrounding clubs. I just want to thank the people of Dundalk for the respect they showed Adrian on the day of his funeral.
Michael at lmfm.ie. Uh, let's uh, get uh, some uh, reaction from uh, serving members of um, Garda Shia Khan. Jim Mulligan is uh, president of uh, the GRA, the Garda Representative Association. And a uh, very good morning to you, Jim. Undoubtedly, it's uh, the verdict you were hoping for, but uh, I'm sure there's an awful lot of people who are very happy at uh, the outcome in the Central Criminal Court yesterday. Yeah, good morning, Mike. It's a very welcome to, to see justice being served in this case after so many years. Um, our initial thoughts are, with the, of course, with the wife and family of Adrian and his colleagues and friends who worked with him and people he, he was involved with in the GAA clubs and that. Um, he was a keen sportsman. Um, but and I'm sure it's, it's, a, it's a welcome outcome for all of them. I, I do have to be conscious that there is still an ongoing investigation and that um, it's also been adjourned for sentencing. But um, I'm sure that, that the family and his friends at this stage, hopefully they can start to bring some bit of closure to the trauma and, and the suffering that they've experienced over the last number of years. Okay. If justice is to be truly served, uh, there will be more arrests and more convictions, as you say. Yeah, but there is, there is an ongoing investigation and there are suspects outstanding in the case. And I'm sure the, the investigation team have worked so hard to date and they've shown huge determination and diligence um, that that investigation will continue with the same determination and diligence. And, you know, a lot of hard work has gone into this over the years. OK, we'll hear from James Walsh, who's a retired detective with NYPD and somebody who helped uh, the Guardi investigating this in New York City. Uh, but he, he'll be telling us uh, how uh, uh, the killing of a police officer is the killing of a police officer, whether that's in New York City or whether it's in Belurgan, and that it's something that is felt deeply across the world by all members of the force. Yeah, and I'd agree with him. Um, I mean, even in recent months when we saw the events down in Castle Ray with Colm Horkin, um, we received messages of condolence from all over the world, from, from New York, from um, the the PSNI from the UK, from New Zealand, Australia. Um, like the, the police family extends way beyond. And you know, as as we say, you know, when when yeah. you attack a police officer, you attack a police officer no matter where they are. And um, everybody feels that. And, and and even see the turnout at Adrian's funeral was even testament to that. Yeah. That um, you know, everybody feels the same pain when when a, when. A police officer is, is attacked. It's like an attack on yourself. It brings it home to you. It could happen to any one of us any day of the week. It's it's the job we do, and you know nobody knows going into work in the morning and mm. um, what's going to happen during the day, or indeed if they will come home to their family that evening. Unfortunately, in this case, Adrian didn't come home, and that's why our initial thoughts are, are with the family and with his colleagues, mm. and hopefully it'll start to bring closure to them. Um, you know they've had a probably a very, very difficult couple of months um, throughout this, having to relive the events of seven and a half years ago and, and listen to it all again. And, you know, um, I'm sure it was a very hard time for them. Indeed, the killing of a, a police officer is an attack on the community, uh, apart from all of the members of uh, the police force, an attack on all of us, an attack on uh, the state, because Angarda Shia Khan, like any police force, is one of uh, the pillars of uh, democracy. And given the cold-blooded nature of uh, this particular killing, the fact that Aaron Brady was no more than seven feet away from Detective Garda Adrian Donoghue when he looked him in the eye and cold-bloodedly pulled the trigger. Uh, verdict of capital murder uh, was, I suppose, 
all that could have been expected. Um, well, that's right. We, we welcome that that justice has been served in the case. Uh, I don't want to go too much into the into the actual details of the case or, or anything else in advance of the the sentencing hearing. But um, what I will say, what you do say about the public, we police by consent in Ireland, and you know many police forces do around the world. And that relationship between the public and the public, because we have that relationship, you know, the whole country does feel these things when they happen and, and are rightly shocked when it, when it does happen to mm. somebody, particularly in Ireland. Um, you know, I think we have a very good relationship and, and it has come to the fore in recent months during the current crisis. And um, I think even in June when the events in Castlereagh happened, we saw it again where the public stood on the streets with members of, of Angarda Siakana um, in solidarity, uh, you know, in remembrance of, of, of Colin and what happened. And likewise with Adrian, I think the, the public reaction at the time was, was enormous mm. and everybody was shocked and saddened by it. Is there a sense of uh, relief uh, within uh, the force, uh, do you think? I suppose a lot of us were wondering what's happening with this case. It seemed to be going on forever and at times as members of the public we wondered what was happening behind the scenes or if anything was happening behind the scenes because we were buying newspapers and seeing pixelated photographs of the alleged killer or killers in these newspapers but obviously the Gardaí were working painstakingly behind the scenes and brought this man before the courts. Investigations like this, Mike, are very complex and particularly when they're multi-agency and multinational um, as in this case, uh, you know, to bring something like this to a successful conclusion requires an awful lot of hard work and diligence. And, you know, you have to get all of the details right. And uh, it's, 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 it can be a long process. Gathering evidence is a difficult task. And, you know, there was a call yesterday from um, Garda Management for any, any witnesses to come forward at this stage. Um, we would echo that. I mean, without the public and without witnesses, a lot of court cases um, aren't prosecutable. You, you do have to gather the evidence. And no matter how small or insignificant people think what they saw or heard might be, it might just be that little piece of the jigsaw that's missing that can put a case together and, you know, mm. make two and two equal four, as they say. And um, it'll... Um, you know, so we would we would echo that that call and urge people not to be afraid to come forward. You know, I mean, society. You know, policing by consent is is, is society itself, and to a certain extent, it's society policing itself. And that's how a, a modern functioning society should work. And and people should be able to come forward and should feel safe coming forward. It's in the interests of the country at large that we we don't let these things take over and 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 rule our lives when, when all we want to do is live, live peaceful lives. All right. Well, we'll hear from management presently when we talk to the chief superintendent, who I'm sure will echo what you've just said, Jim. But thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Jim Mulligan, uh, president. Uh, thanks, Mike. President of the GRA, the Garda Representative Association, and uh, the chief superintendent uh, for the Louth Division, Christy Mangan, is on the line. And a uh, very good morning to you, chief <laughs> superintendent, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us as uh, the most uh, senior police officer in uh, the region. What are your thoughts uh, this morning? Uh, good morning, Michael, and uh, thanks for the invite to your show. Um, yeah, it was uh, a very, very emotional day yesterday for everybody. Obviously, there was a lot of tears shed uh, after the verdict, uh, and I suppose there was a lot of emotions, um, you know, had welled up in people over, over the past seven and a half years. 
So emotional uh, is, is one way of saying it. Um, but, you know, it was uh, a very long process. Uh, the, the pandemic hit us uh, just when the trial had started. Um, uh, you know, a huge credit has to go to all of the jurors. There was 15 originally uh, picked for the trial to ensure that if somebody went sick that we would have replacements. And, you know, their their courage in attending and every day when a lot of people were locked down at home, um, they, they really did their duty for, for the state by, by ensuring that they were there every day and obviously listened meticulously to the evidence as it was presented throughout the, the seven um, months or so. And, um, you know, to bring back in what is a very rare verdict of capital murder, uh, you know, testament to their, you know, uh, dedication to the case. So that's when we, we had, a, obviously, witnesses from, uh, you know, the U.S. who were not in a position to come here. The evidence had to be dealt with, um, you know, via audio-visual, which... You know, technology doesn't always work when you want it to work, and in this case, it, it, it definitely our technicians uh, and the court technicians were put the defender to color to make sure that it it did work. And obviously, a huge amount of witnesses from north and south attend the court to give evidence. And you know, we're we're most grateful as as a, a guard organisation that the people did stand up uh, squarely with a shoulder to shoulder and supported. Mm-hmm. The investigation, I mean, the investigation uh, would not have taken place without the, the people of Ireland and the Irish community in, in, in the US of A, uh, who greatly assisted us. And Homeland Security, obviously, you know, really, really pulled out all the stops to assist us in what was a transnational uh, murder investigation. And thankfully, uh, borders did not stand in our way because we, we, we got huge assistance right across Europe. Interpol, Europol, right across into Australia. We had to deal with, with matters over there. Uh, I think there was something like 10 countries we had to deal with uh, in, in, in total uh, in order to, to glean the evidence that was necessary. First of all, to, to uh, obtain the charge of, of capital murder. Uh, you know, there's a high bar there for that uh, in legal terms. And then to present the evidence which was you know, very professionally done by all of the investigators. And obviously, throughout this past seven and a half years, a lot of members of Gary Chicago who were involved from day one have retired. Uh, but they came back and they gave their evidence. Um, we had Brian Mohan, who retired, Pat Murray, who had retired, and other members who were retired. Um, and they, 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 they came back and they, you know, they, they attend the court for us, which is mm-hmm. really, really much appreciated. And all through the coronavirus pandemic, uh, which yeah, interrupted yeah. the trial itself and led to that situation where evidence had to be given by video link. And uh, one of uh, the testimonies interrupted at one stage, complicating matters yeah. further. But be that as it may, the case succeeded. The verdict was uh, delivered and Aaron Brady begins his sentence with uh, the sentencing hearing uh, to follow. Uh, but have uh, you been speaking uh, to serving members in uh, the barracks uh, since the verdict yesterday? Yeah, we, we was, obviously before the, the, the verdict came out, we, we had our, our own conversations. Uh, you can never preempt what the jury is going to say or do. And, uh, you know, we... we Obviously, we discussed what we needed to do, and we had a, we had our own meeting afterwards um, as regards where we're going. Um, 
been a lot of commentary from retired members and, and serving members and, you know, a lot of young members, um, you know, who, who go about their daily business, you know, going to work 12 hours a day and they deal with a lot of the, you know, the, the normal policing that goes on and thankfully the murder of a police, police person is, is, is not a normal thing. So there, there's a lot of, um, I suppose, uh, calm satisfaction that justice has been served and justice has been done in, in this part of the case. Mm. And this, is, this is only part one of the investigation. Mm. It's probably the, the, one of the most largest murder investigations mm. in the history. I think, yes, the senior counsel, I think they, they, they said it was the longest running murder trial in the history of the state. So, and you'll be looking for information mm-hmm. on three other men uh, who were part of uh, that raid and uh, the getaway driver. I, I take it there's a, a great sense of collegiality amongst members of the force today, serving and retired members. And, uh, of course, one of uh, the retired members of the force who's so much at the centre of all of this is Caroline herself. Yes, there, there is. And obviously, you know, it was an extremely emotional day for Caroline and the, the extended uh, Donovan family. Uh, nobody can, you know, understand the turmoil that's gone through. It was very difficult for everybody. Obviously, Caroline was a serving member. Uh, and uh, she, she understands that the way the, the, the guard organisation works. And but. You know, investigation can be very slow sometimes and can be very frustrating, uh, very, very frustrating when there's no, nothing really... The public, the public don't see what's going on. Um, so, you know, the, the people, can, as, as I heard you saying, you know, there wasn't a lot in the newspapers uh, because none of what was going on could could be published. We, we had our trial within a trial, which, which is the, the legal system we have. And uh, sometimes just as the wheels, the wheels turn very slowly uh, and, the, the, you know, it's important to keep the victim's family in, 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 in uh, form of what's going on, but the public then obviously are wondering what, what are the guards doing or are they doing anything at all, but it, it is a slow process, but you know it, it, is, it is the way we have to be mm. uh, because obviously evidence is difficult to procure, but mm. you know, the community in, in Northern Ireland, in around Cross and Glen, were very very supportive to us, obviously the community in, in, in in around Cooley, Lordship, and and into into the dock. I mean, from day one, and um, you know, if you went into the guard station in the first week of the investigation, local people were actually sending in sandwiches and food, uh, you know, to, for for people who were working. And you know, the acts of kindness by, by local people in the dock was was absolutely fabulous. The support we we've, we've got from from all over, obviously, but you know, centrally in in Dundalk where. You know, two members in Garchi Kona have been murdered there in, 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 the, in the last seven years. And that support is very, very vital to us. It's like if we, if we didn't have it, it would be a struggle to police and, and help people. And, that, and, look, and that's what we're there for. We're there to yeah. help. You know, we're there to help. But we need help to get where, you know, people who do wrong and they, they need to go to jail. And that's it. As you say, the wheels of justice can turn slowly in this particular investigation, those wheels are still turning. And uh, as uh, you've uh, been saying, Chief Superintendent, uh, there uh, will be further developments. You're expecting further developments. Uh, How soon are you expecting those developments to happen? Well, look, it is a very, very complex investigation. Obviously, you know, it came out in the trial process that there was uh, five people at least involved at the scene. 
uh, we have to follow up on each and every one of those people, uh, their, their involvement. But there's also people uh, involved in providing comfort and logistical support to uh, people who are involved in the robbery. They covered up their, their tracks for them. They, they, they assisted them in getting out of the country. And we're going to be looking at what their actions were and how they conspired with these people uh, in, the, in, the, in the murder, robbery, and the subsequent cover-up of, the, of, the, of their actions. And they fled into the north, obviously, uh, you know, where they burned out the car, and then they fled to the, the four corners of the earth. And they thought they were going to ex- escape justice. And, um, you know, to be fair, the, the cooperation between law enforcement worldwide uh, is not just north and south, it's worldwide, and in particular with Homeland Security and other agencies in the US uh, has ensured that we got to where we got to yesterday. So the investigation will continue at pace and we certainly won't be relenting until we have dealt with each and every one of the people who are involved, either in the immediate, immediate uh, robbery and murder and then the subsequent cover-up. Yeah, congratulations doesn't seem uh, the appropriate word, but I, I think everybody is uh, very happy to see justice being served in uh, the way that it has been, and hopefully it'll come as some small consolation uh, to Caroline, Amy and Niall. Chief Superintendent, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Thank you, Michael. Thank, thank you very much. Take care. That's uh, Christy Mangan, Chief Superintendent uh, for the Louth Garda Division. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now to New York City and James Walsh, a retired detective with NYPD Intelligence Bureau. He's been telling me about his involvement in the investigation of Aaron Brady in the killing of Detective Garda Adrian Dunhue. Please force before that. Uh, what can you tell us? Oh, I, I can tell you that uh, we were approached by uh, members of Garda, uh, I believe in the summer of 2015, with uh, assisting them in uh, finding out uh, some further information, such as the whereabouts of uh, where Aaron Brady was uh, staying. And you would have had him under surveillance for a period of time? Uh, that's, that's correct. We, uh, we did some surveillance. Um, the guard had an address on him, and it didn't happen to be the correct address where he was living at the time. Uh, they also had some information that he was playing football at uh, Gaelic Park. Uh, from that, we were able to uh, ascertain where he was living. You would have observed his movements in the city. Uh, what What do you recall? What would you say about his uh, behavior when he was in New York? Uh, the behavior that we uh, we observed was that uh, he was very close, uh, kept close to himself, to his friends, uh, wasn't uh, very security conscious. Um, didn't veer much from his schedule. He had a couple of bars that he would visit. Uh, he would go in, uh, not speak to many people besides his friends. Uh, he worked construction and, uh, that was, you know, he, he just would like, we, we would, he would never throw anything out in front of us. You know, he, if he had a bottle of water, he always waited until he got home to throw it out. So he's very security conscious and very close to the cloth about his uh, activities. So he, he was aware that you were following him? I don't think he was, no. I think it was just uh, his, ingrained into him not, not to do things, those along those things. I think he knew that he, uh, 
he might be watched, but I, I think it was just a uh, security culture that he might have grown up in. He's somebody uh, who in this country had a, a long record of criminal activity. Uh, there was uh, no law-breaking, as far as you were concerned, that you could see during the time that you watched his movements. Well, uh, the, the law-breaking that we did observe was minor. It was uh, he was driving without a driver's license. I believe he was operating heavy machinery without a license. You know, things along those lines. Like, not not uh, major things, just minor. He was eventually arrested and uh, deported uh, on grounds of uh, his status in the United States. Uh, he'd broken his visa requirements. Uh, uh, you, you were present at the time he was arrested, were you? Yes, I was. And what can you tell us about that? Uh, I was a guest of the Fed. The, that's a uh, federal crime, so I was a local jurisdiction, so I didn't have a uh, hand in that, but I was allowed to be a guest with that. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, he was observed leaving his house driving an Audi, uh, and he has no license. He was pulled over, and the uh, federal agents took him into custody. Uh, was there any resistance? No, there was no resistance. From the time you spent watching Aaron Brady, uh, how would you describe him? Um, he was living a nice life. Uh, he had a nice apartment. You know, he uh, got married while he was here, had a, a child. He was steadily employed. Uh, he seemed like he had a very nice life. Did he appear to you, uh, from all of uh, the years of experience that you have as a detective uh, working for NYPD, as somebody uh, who could have had the capacity uh, to kill a police officer? He, like I said, he was very security conscious. Usually when people are like that, there's a reason. Did you feel uh, when you were observing his movements uh, that this was somebody who had killed a police officer? Uh, that's, that's, that's hard to say. Um, I didn't interact with him that often, like I said. Um, I watched him, I spoke to him on a couple of occasions, but he was, he was short but polite in his conversation. What about uh, this uh, type of uh, communication and cooperation between police forces? Uh, is uh, this typical of uh, the type of relationship uh, that would lead uh, to this type of cooperation between the Gardaí here and uh, the police in New York City? Oh, we, we, when we're involving the murder of a, uh, a police officer, we take it very seriously. We would help any agency. Uh, the Garda came over here. They were very professional. They gave us a lot of information. We worked hand-in-hand hand with them. We had, you know, there was many other individuals besides myself involved in this, and it, it, it worked out very well. I'm sure Adrian Donahue's family, friends, uh, and indeed his colleagues in uh, the Gardaí would like uh, to thank uh, the police force in uh, the United States and NYPD, for that matter. Have you a message for people here? Uh, just, I, we, I pray for justice for uh, Detective Donahue and his family. That's James Walsh, retired detective with NYPD Intelligence Bureau, bringing our programme to its conclusion today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.